and every one of you here today. There are quite a few gone, but we are glad you're here and we have visitors with us. Uh, Blake, it's always great for you and Terry to be here. Uh, I will meet with him later on this afternoon and set up a time when he's going to come and preach for us. Of course, it's good to have Sandy Hanline here with us. She's not really a visitor. She's just uh, an extended part of the family. And so she goes over where Rolf Miller preaches in Ventura. So she decided to come and hear good preaching today. <laughs> she has uh, two guests with her. Ricky Lopez Boilmer. Is that correct? Is that Boilmer? Bolmer, okay, uh, and she is the mo mother of a very precocious young lady. That is Abigail Grace Bolmer. We're glad you're here. You've got great personalities, and I'll tell you, with the sour pusses here, it's good <laughs> to have you. So welcome. Gary says sometimes that I go too fast. I'm just going to tell him, listen faster. <laughs> so does prayer really help? That's a question. We're starting a series on prayer. This is very important that we understand prayer. I think it's one of the most misunderstood things in the world. And I want you to recognize we're using really one passage, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing, which simply means you keep praying over and over and over again. That every day you get up and you pray. Every night when you go to bed, you pray. You pray in the midday. You pray. You pray. He says, don't cease to pray. That's what he's trying to get at. I want you to recognize that when I use levity from the pulpit, that I do not just tell jokes, but rather all my jokes have a purpose. A little boy that really wanted very desperately wanted a bicycle, and he wanted to learn how to pray so that he could get that bicycle. So he decided, I'm going to learn this prayer, and I'm going to watch Christian television so that I can learn really how to pray. And he turned into a high mega church watched carefully, and that night he got on his knees and said, Almighty and eternal God, if it is in your everlasting will that I have a bicycle, may I be provided one as dawn approaches tomorrow. Thank you for answering my prayer. World without end. Magnificent prayer. The next morning, no bicycle. The next day, he decided, I need to watch another television program because that one didn't work. <laughs> so he went on his knees at bedtime and he said, Dear Jesus, I declare unto you my need for a bicycle. I request that it be blue and silver and it be parked in front of my house by five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Thank you in advance. 
your humble servant, Jimmy. The next morning, no bicycle. Now he didn't know what to do. And his mother saw him walking around the room. And Jimmy finally looked up on the mantel. And there was a statue of Mary. And he quickly tucked that under his arm and out the door he went and out into the woods. That night, his mother heard him pray, Dear Jesus, if you ever want to see your mother again, Prayer is a lot more complex than some make it out to be. There is much more involved than merely asking and receiving something. For every person who feels that prayer has not worked for them, there is another person that depends upon prayer for their very existence. That without prayer, I can go nowhere. Without prayer, I'm totally lost. Without prayer, I am so empty and don't know where to go. And even when their prayers seem unanswered, they believe and trust not only in the power of prayer, but in the character and the wisdom of God. And I think that's important to recognize as we start off on prayer. I want you to notice that the title of our question is, Does Prayer Help? And it depends upon two questions. What do you mean by prayer? And what do you mean by help? If you answer those two questions in a biblical way, the answer is going to be yes. If you understand really as a Christian that, are, that is in Christ, because those outside of Christ, he only hears those as far as coming to him. As Hebrews 11:6 says, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. But otherwise, prayer is for a Christian. A Christian that is talking to God. And so if you understand what prayer really is, yes, prayer works. If you understand what help is, you understand that it works. In fact, this takes on a relationship with God that is so marvelous that we are in harmony with Him and it produces fruit in our life. All, all God wants us to have this fruit. Not only the fruit of joy, love, peace, and all of that, but also that we are there winning people to Christ because we're in continual communication with Him. Continual communication with God. 
If you remember, Jesus would go off to be by himself and pray alone. But why? Why in the world would he do that? What was the purpose? And this is what many people do not understand. But that's what we're talking about today. The very longest prayer in the Bible is John the 17th chapter. And in that prayer, we learn quite a bit. That's not my main focus today. But we must get past the common conception of what prayer is. The famous comedian, he started out as a comedian, George Carlin. He turned into a bitter old man that was an atheist. And he used to make fun of prayer. He would say, if you pray, aren't you being a little arrogant, asking for stuff? You want a promotion at work. You want a new car. You want your aunt healed. You want stuff. You're asking God to change his divine plan just for you. Then he says, if your prayer is not answered, then you have a cop out. You say, well, if it wasn't part of the divine plan or I didn't have enough faith, now I have an excuse for talking to the walls. He also said, if you pr you're pray to God that your will be done, why pray at all? His will is going to be done whether you pray or not. All of this is designed for one purpose, and that is to destroy your relationship with God. He wants you to think prayer does no good. And from one aspect, he's right. Because George Carlin had no idea of what prayer was about. Because to George Carlin, it was about stuff. I need stuff. That's why I ask you, what do you mean by prayer? And what do you mean by help? A little boy one time, and I can remember praying this prayer myself. I needed to be like Wild Bill Hickok. I wanted two guns and, of course, that had two holsters, and he always drew backwards. He drew this way, just that quick. So I would pray about that, and this little boy was praying. And he said, God bless Mama, and God bless Daddy, and God bless the family, and God, and God, and then he yelled it, I need two guns and two holsters. And his mother said, God is not deaf. He said, I know, but Grandma is. <laughs> this is the Santa Claus God. That we come to him and crawl up in his lap when we want something. And we whisper in his ear and we're going to get it. Ladies and gentlemen. This is what culture has developed into.
Just because it is the culture conception does not mean it's the right conception. Jesus prayed in John the 17th chapter, and you might want to study that. But in John the 17th chapter number one, he prayed about himself and his relationship with God and that he wanted the glory that he had before he ever came here to be received when he went back to the Father. He pre teaches there about, I want your will, God, to be done. Do you remember his last prayer before he went to the cross was not my will, but thine be done. It was about God. It was about the relationship that they had. And if we could get that in our minds, I think that we would get a lot further with our prayer and we would want to pray all the more. It's about our relationship, Father. It's about, it's about you. It's about how, how wonderful you are. And second, he prayed for his apostles. It's a pyramid prayer. He starts with himself and he moves out and says, I want to pray for the apostle. You gave them to me, Father, and I want you to keep them. Don't let Satan take them. Ah, I wish, I wish we could pray that for others. And then he moved from there and he prayed for those that would hear the apostles' words that they also might become one. Oh, do you realize what's happened in the religious world? We have a multiplicity of churches all teaching diametrically opposite things. Oh, they all talk about Jesus and they all use the Bible. But do you realize when the first gospel sermon was ever preached, there was not a denomination in the world. They all became one. Do you remember what he says over in Ephesians, the fourth chapter? Let me read just a minute here from this, and I want you to see how far this is off today. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, and one spirit, just as you were called, and one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. There's one God, and do you know what? When you go into Christendom out here, they will tell you there's only one God. That one God, the Father, the, the one, that one. The Shema says, oh, there is one God. Who is the Lord? Well, the Lord, everybody knows that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Everybody knows that. One baptism. <laughs> you know what most of the world teaches? They teach that that one baptism is a Holy Spirit baptism. They're partly right. I want you to notice something. 
When he says one baptism, every time that you read about baptism, he talks about it is for the remission of sins. Acts 2.38. It is to get a clear conscience. 1 Peter 3.21. It is as Galatians 3.26 and 27 says that you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus for as many of you has been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. It's about getting into Christ. Romans the 6th chapter says that we are baptized into the death of Christ where he shed his blood and that's where you make contact because God does something in the water just like he did with Nahum and the leper and I made a mess of that last week when I talked. He dipped seven times to get cleansed. Did the water cleanse him? No. Obedience to God and God doing it where he was supposed to. So he says, I want you to be one and then in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 10, he starts out and he said, I beseech you, brethren, that there, that there be no divisions, no denominations among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. I didn't know that many years ago. I was a denominational preacher. And I heard the truth. And I gave up denominations. Does the Church of Christ have a denomination? There are Church of Christ denominations. But I'm talking about those that adhere to the very doctrine of Christ. Those that, that say, you know what, I'm going to take the Word of God and I'm going to study it and I'm going to think for myself. People ask me, what does the Church of Christ believe? I have no idea. I know what I believe. That's what I'm sharing with you. Are you the church of Christ? I pray to God that you are. But you know what? God knows. You can't join the church. The Bible says in Acts the two, second chapter in verse 47 that the Lord added daily to the church those who were being saved. Now you can join the congregation and you may look good in here and you all have halos over your head but God knows whether you're really in the church. Well, I give up this denominational idea. Get out of any denomination. If you're in a denomination, get out of it just as quick as you can. Say, I'm going to be a thinker myself. And do you know what? When you end up, you're going to be a member of the church, the church of Christ, the church of the Lord, the church of the firstborn. What? He didn't give the church a common name. That's just who we are. What are you? I'm a Christian. What kind of a Christian? I'm just a Christian. Well, you got to be some kind. I am. I'm a Christian. That's it. I want you to understand that he said in the fourth thing, I want the world to discover through your oneness Jesus Christ. That's the greatest testimony that we have. If we love one another and we are one and we're working in unity with the Father and the Son, that will win more people to Christ than all of the sermons in the world. He is not asking for stuff. That's the point. 
Jesus prays that pyramid prayer and it's wonderful. I want us to get that longest prayer and he says this is what I want you to understand. In Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. You don't need to worry so much about the physical. Take care of the spiritual. And if you do that, God says, I'll take care of this other. You know, the disciples ask how to pray. In Matthew, the sixth chapter, and by the way, that was Luke 11 and 1 where he asks, teaches to pray. Listen to this. Therefore, do not be like them, that is the very religious people that are continually abusing prayer. For your father knows the things you have need of. Do you feel, follow that? He knows what you need, not what you want. He's not so interested in what you want. He's not interested in the cap pistols and all of that. He wants to give you what you need before you ask. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. He knows our needs, physical and spiritual. The physical, I don't think sometimes we even think about that. You ever notice how wonderful it is to go, Jeannie, have you ever noticed that? Jeannie has trouble breathing just to be able to breathe. You ever heard that bird singing in the morning? Oh, it's wonderful. You ever seen the flowers? Have you ever looked up in the sky? All of these things. God says, I'm giving you a testimony about me. Look, look around you. Look around you. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. And that draws you closer and closer to him. God talks to you through these things. More than that, he talks to us through the word of God. But we need to think in Ephesians, he tells us that he has given us all spiritual blessings. They're not a spiritual blessing that he hasn't given. The only problem we have is not realizing them and taking them in. When somebody gives you a gift, grab hold of it. Say thank you and use it. And he says, our father. I uh, showed Paigey last night a little thing from YouTube. Oh, it was amazing. A little girl was living in a foster home. Sue and Jeff, this ought to interest you. Living in a foster home, and they wanted so badly for she wanted so badly for years to be adopted. She was about like this precocious child here, around 10 years old. 
and there was a cubicle office and the little girl standing outside waiting. And a woman came out of the door to where she was at. And she said, it's legal. You are now adopted. And that little girl jumped up, grabbed her neck, and her little feet was just dangling like this. She had been adopted. I wonder sometimes if when God says, I just adopted you, why don't we jump up and say, God, I've been waiting for this. I want this. Thank you. You want me? You want me? The Bible says he chose us. <laughs> Look at this. In 1 John, the third chapter and verse 1, Behold, behold, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. We are children of God. He, calls, he called me a son. I love, sometimes I write my prayers out and I write... And as I write it and finally I'll sign it, your son Mason. Oh, boy, that, that makes you feel Brother Jim McQuiggan. He wrote a prayer out right after his wife Ethel had died. And he wrote, dear God, I am hurting so bad. I've lost the one I depended upon so much and took care of for years in her sickness. And not to have her here is just absolute pain. But oh God, I'm so thankful that she's with you and she's happy. I'm going to tell you. I watched John standing up here today talking about the Lord, his death. You big baby. <laughs> in heaven, our Father in heaven, that spiritual reality, it moves us out of this world. We talked about imagination. I'm going to tell you to, to, to go before the throne of God, what a privilege. He says, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Sometimes we shortcut it, and maybe we should. You remember Stephen, people say, you, know, you can't sing, have a little talk with Jesus. We go to God the Father. Well, Stephen didn't know that. When he was dying, he said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Wow, this is, this is amazing. I get to leave this world and go before the Father. Holy is your name. Now get this. And can I preach just a little bit over today? Because this is so important. 
His name is that by which he makes himself known to us. His revelation. God's word is his complete name made known to us that we may know God and enter into communion with him. Do you remember what Jesus said? And I have declared to them your name. And I will declare it that the love with which you love me may be, may be in them and I in them. Jesus declared the name in everything that he did. Every move that he made. He is saying, this is what the Father is like. This is how the Father thinks. I want to introduce you to the Father. I want you to see through me. I want you to see him. I want you to see the Godhead. I want you to see all about that. I'm giving you everything about his name. To be able to pray to a God like that. Wow. You know, we miss it. Like Thomas, or Philip. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's sufficient us first. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me? Philip, he who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, Show us the Father? You want to see God? Look at Jesus. Jesus said, I'm showing you. We think about the body. Christ said, I want you to hear the words that I'm speaking. I want you to hear the, the principles that I'm living by. I want you to see how I treat my enemies. I want you to see what God is really like. You see, your God is too big. The same as Job. Job, Job says, I can't talk to you because you're too big. Jesus said, I came here as your servant. This is God serving man. I've got a communion with him. He says, thy kingdom come. And this kingdom is the heavenly reign and rule of God through Christ and the gospel of Christ. People say, well, it's the church. Of course, the church is the manifestation of what God is like when he lives in your life. But it's much more than the church. It is Christ actually reigning in my heart. He is my king. He's my Lord. He's my everything. And where Christ is, there the kingdom is. And the rule is. And of course, all those through him that participate in this rule, they are a kingdom of priests. When he says, thy will be done, the thought is not that he has more than one will, but the highest aims and purposes of his one will regarding us center in his grace. When we say, God, oh, look how good I've been. Oh, I've been terrible. I've been horrible. Even after I became a Christian, I have been horrible. We're saved by the grace of God. And we need to remember that at all times. We could do a whole series on the grace of God. Christ came to do his Father's will and he carries it to the very goal that we're going for. 
Give us today our daily bread. Take care of our physical needs, God. And next week we'll be talking further on this very subject. Forgive us our debts as we forgive others. To dismiss our debtors means that we no longer consider them debtors. You sinned against me, I forgive you. When you repent, I forgive you. Just as God forgives me. And the debts that we have people owing us is nothing compared to what we owe God. And our evidence before God is I forgive like you forgive. Lead us not into temptation. And two things stand out in this petition. The faith which dreads the fall and the assurance that in his own way God will not let us fall. How does he do that? Stay in his word. Stay in his word. Keep listening to him. Keep listening to him. So I'm going to conclude in this way. You see, I'm only two minutes over. That's not bad, is it? That's not bad. We pray to learn, not to get. I learn about God. I learn about me. I learn all of this as I go to God in prayer. When I go to God in prayer, let him talk back to you. Open the Bible. Find out what he says. Look around you. Find out what he's saying. Prayer is not about stuff. And it's about learning to be spiritual. Oh, what's that? that's needed so badly today in this world because we've got a world that's secular in every way. And it's crept into the church in many places. And we don't see it. It's about worshiping God. The lesson is yours. If you've never obeyed the gospel of Christ, will you come believing with all of your heart that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, get out of your denominations and just come to him and say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to trust man anymore. I'm going to trust what you say. And I am repenting. That is, I, I've directed my life and it's been a mess. And I'm going to turn my life over to you and you're going to direct. Confess before men the sweetest name that's ever been named, and that is that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, and be baptized into Christ where his death, and into his death where his blood was shed, and we finally stand in a relationship with him as we're raised to walk after we've been baptized. And that's where the new birth takes place. That's where God circumcised the heart and takes sin away from you. Won't you come while together we stand and sing?